Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, I've got uh, on uh, here today, uh, John Edelman. And John is the father of uh, Carter Edelman, who received a Army ROTC scholarship and a Navy ROTC Marine Corps Options Scholarship. And I've invited him on today because in talking with him, I think that John has really delved into this process to a great degree and experienced a lot of things as a parent uh, working through this process from start to finish. And I really wanted to kind of get his perspective on you know, the way that parents look at the ROTC scholarship process and kind of the lessons that he's learned and take, taken away over the past uh, year. So, uh, John, you know, welcome to uh, the ROTC scholarship podcast. Uh, thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. Well, John, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience? Definitely. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Carter is my oldest son. Uh, we just finished up the process, or actually still in the middle of the process right now with him. Uh, but I have two other children. And by trade, I'm an engineer doing utility management and water and wastewater type work. And uh, I think the most important thing is is neither myself nor my wife have any uh, military background. So uh, this was a baptism by fire, as you would say, just learning about all the the requirements and things that uh, you have to do to be successful in this process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your son, uh, what got your son sort of interested in the military? Because I, I see this from a lot of uh, people that I that I know that, you know, where the parents weren't in the military, but but yet your son or daughter comes to you and, in, and interested in the military service. So, so what was your what attracted your son to the military and what was sort of your, you and your wife's reaction when, uh, when he expressed this interest to you? You know, Rob, and that's, a, it's a very interesting question. And it's one that we actually had to go back and think about of, of when Carter first expressed interest. And I think back early on, my father was in the 101st Airborne and, and he passed away when Carter was a baby. And so he would see pictures and, and hear us tell stories. And so I think that might've been his first uh, introduction to the military. And then myself, I attended Norwich uh, for a year uh, mm -hmm. with the goal of commissioning in the Marine Corps and, and actually could not pass the Dodmer physical at the end of my freshman year. So that derailed what my goal was. But, you know, we really never talked about it. And then I, th I think it was his freshman year in high school. Um, there was an upperclassman, uh, I think, uh, let's see, he was probably a junior or senior when Carter was a freshman. And he was pursuing an NROTC scholarship as well as an appointment to the Naval Academy. And the two of them were teammates on the cross-country team. And so I think through that relationship, uh, Carter really started to look into it. And then uh, from that point on in his freshman year, uh, it was, it was you know, a conversation here and there, conversations with other parents that were going through the service academy appointment process. And then uh, – Really, the summer after his sophomore year in high school, uh, we went around and visited some schools, looked at some ROTC detachments, and uh, 
from that point on, he was 100% committed to it. And as you said, we were fortunate. He was fortunate to to win both the four-year Army and the Marine Option Scholarship. So he's well on his way to achieving his goal. Yeah. And how did you uh, start learning about the uh, ROTC process? I know you go to the websites, uh, but there's also you know a really good uh, blog, I think, that's uh, out there that's really can be helpful to parents kind of uh, navigating this process. So I was just kind of curious as to, you know, as you started compiling this information, wh- where were your places that you went for to get that that kind of information? Yeah, and that's another good question. And I guess being an engineer, I, I, I'm always driven by information. So I spent hours and hours on the blog that you're referring to, just reading about other stories of candidates things that the parents did that were helpful, things that were not helpful. So I, I literally spent a couple of weeks just looking through, uh, and it's a great resource. There's there's really any question that you would have is is probably already been asked and answered there. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the first step. And then and then I think secondly, um, the specific schools that Carter had expressed an interest in, um, with the majority of them being uh, senior military colleges, those websites and 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 people at those schools were also great resources in helping him uh, determine the benefits of the school as well as the, the differences between the, the the different ROTC branches. Right. Yeah. And that uh, blog is called the United States of America Service Academy uh, blog, I believe, and it, it has a, a section for ROTC. It has a section for DODMERB, which is the Department of Defense Military Examination Review Board, as well as the Service Academy. So you're right that that is a tremendous resource that has uh, you know so many you know parent stories about how they you know help their uh, child navigate the process. And the other thing I just will mention on that, Rob, is that Carter actually joined the Service Academy form that you're referencing. And uh, there's a lot of active uh, or current uh, cadets as well as candidates that are applying for service academy appointments or OTC scholarships. And so it's also a good uh, forum for, for them to reach out to their peers to get advice from as well, as well as students that have just completed the process. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I have noticed that. And, and you know, there's some recruiting operations officers and actually people who have, you know, are actually currently in you know, do, doing the ROTC uh, thing, uh, so or rather at the job, so that can be also be tremendously helpful. And and really the the you know the volunteer parents uh, who you know kind of moderate the forum uh, are you know obviously just you know doing it voluntarily and and are doing a great job with that site. So so yeah, highly recommend that along with you know all the certainly all the sites you're talking about. So uh, on the same question about parents, what, you know, I know you've thought about this, but what do you believe the role the parents should be in the scholarship process uh, that, that Carter went through? What, what is your role and, and, you know, how can you help your son uh, the best that you can? Yeah, another, another really good question. And I think this is, this is an interesting one and probably one that we could spend an hour talking about. And, you know, I think the role that the parent or parents or guardian should play really depends upon the family dynamics and the maturity and the desire of the candidate. I think you've got, a, you know, two extremes. You've got the first, which is your typical helicopter parent who wants to control and be involved in every aspect of the application. And then the second would be, you know, you're a 17 or 18 year old adult. You know, you handle this and complete it on your own. And I'm not going to judge or, or, or tell what works best. I know that for our situation with Carter, 
we were somewhere in the middle. As I said, we don't have a military background. And the, the application process for these different scholarships, it, it's involved. It has numerous steps and deliverables. And it's, it's definitely an exercise in organization. And uh, you've got to be able to juggle numerous balls at one time, especially if you're applying. You know, a lot of these candidates are applying to multiple service academies as, w- as well as, you know, one or two or sometimes three ROTC scholarships. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a pretty daunting uh, task. And, and I think now looking back on it, that we've been involved in it for, for over a year and a half. And I don't want to say it was all uh, consuming because I think we started early, but this is a, is something that, that you're doing something every week and, and towards the end of it every day. Right. And then you're not, you also got to include all the other things, you know, such as the common app and everything else you're doing. Right. Right. That. And then, you know, you think about it, you're, in the middle of taking the standardized test, your ACT and your SAT multiple times. You're in the middle of your junior year, which is the most important year in terms of, you know, finishing up your high school for your college acceptances. Then you're also doing all your college acceptances. I mean, it's remember the ROTC process, the application process is completely independent from the uh, application process to the schools and you've got multiple essays to write. So it's, it's a, it's a involved process. Yeah. So you have the, you know, on the one side, the helicopter parent and on the other extreme, you know, where you let the student uh, or the candidate do everything themselves. And I think, you know, as a, you know, as a parent, you've probably got to look at it, right, John, and say, you know, in a, in the ideal world, they should do it all on their own, but they're at a distinct disadvantage if you don't give them that help, right? No, I think so too. And I th- again, I think this is highly dependent upon um, the candidate. And I know with, with, with Carter, you know, we acted as advisors and, and, and helped him organize, proofed his application, but he was the one driving the process. And, and I know we'll talk about this later, but I think there is a, there is a phase in the application process that warrants uh, more involvement from a parent and adult. And that's when you get into the Dodmer phase. And I think that that phase is, is, is really important to have, you know, some, some adult supervision, as, as I would say. Right. Yeah. Because if you don't, you know, particularly in your, your experience with the Dodmer, that's, that's complete fail, right? I mean, right. if you don't manage that right. That's exactly right. You know, can tell you experiences with people coming out with four-year scholarships, uh, you know, to prestigious universities and, and are unable to pass the Dodmer physical. And I, I don't, and this will be for a separate episode with you and I, which I, I'm, I'm sure the listeners will, you know, get a lot out of. But, you know, sometimes it's uh, self-inflicted wounds in this Dodmer physical. And, and, you know, in some cases, the student probably sh- could have been qualified, but uh, for not understanding the process or being, you know, too much of a hypochondriac may actually have uh, derailed their process. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we're not, I'm not a, a medical profession. And, you know, I know that the goal of Dodmerb is to, is to make a determination that these candidates are going to be physically fit for 5, 10, 20 years of, of military service in a very, various different environments. And so, um, it really is a maze, and, and I think, that, and, and I know we'll get more detail, and I'll leave it the Dodmerb at this. But um, the biggest advice that other people gave me and, and my friends that were in the medical profession is, don't self-diagnose. Um, there are certain questions during the process that, um, as a seventeen or eighteen-year-old, 
uh, you may answer without the, the information or the actual medical uh, history that you need to answer that question. So uh, very important for, for parents to be involved in that. Right. Exactly, John. So, so uh, shifting back to the, uh, to kind of your, your process here, um, you know, Carter uh, made the decision or it uh, thought about the senior military colleges as well as uh, regular, I should say, lack of a better term, a regular college or university. What, what were sort of the things that went back and forth with that? I know you're a, you're a Norwich graduate or you went to Norwich for a little while. And so what were the kind of thinking along those lines, military college versus non-military college? And, uh, you know, early on, I think Carter, when, when he started this, uh, the first thing that, that he decided was that he was going to pursue an ROTC scholarship. That was the first decision. And then the second one was his desire to study engineering, civil engineering specifically. So his process was looking at the schools that had reputable, larger ROTC detachments, as well as had a good engineering school. And then that summer between his sophomore and junior year, we went and visited the Citadel and then some other schools, Clemson, Auburn, some larger non-military schools so he could get a feel for those. And when it bolt, we now, you know, it came right down to it. We, he spent overnight visits at Texas A&M, the Citadel, Virginia Tech, which were the three senior military colleges and uh, just made the decision that, that he wanted that senior military uh, college environment. And the decision came down between Texas A&M and the Citadel. and And it was a really hard one. He loved both of those schools. But uh, I think the Citadel being a little bit closer to home, a little bit smaller class sizes, and then um, the fact that it was an all-military environment was what drew him to the Citadel. Right. And that's really – so it's so much based on the the person themselves, right? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it'd be hard to draw – more of a contrast from a school like, say, VMI, Norwich, or the Citadel, and then compare that to, you know, a, a USC or an Auburn or, or your normal non-military school. And so, I, it, it uh, and that that really the the choice of school was one hundred percent up to him. I mean, we we his mom and I told him early early on is is if this is your goal and you get the scholarship, then you get to pick where you want to go to school. So he wrestled with it and at the end of the day chose the citadel right and uh one of the things i think advantageous certainly for senior military colleges for the army is that uh you're guaranteed to go on active duty if the professor of military science recommends you and that's not that's not the case with like a school like auburn or usc that's that's exactly right and i know early on when and and he obviously was awarded the the army scholarship before the marine option and he and actually was awarded the Army scholarship before getting acceptances to most of his schools. And so that was a decision that he had to make early on to, to accept that scholarship at the Citadel. Yes. And uh, has he made a decision yet? He, well, he has. He's, he's, he has accepted um, his Marine Option scholarship to the Citadel as well as the Army. And he's working on uh, this week, I think, going to turn down the Army scholarship in lieu of the Marine option. Right. So, um, so obviously I'm an army guy, so I'm disappointed there, but the Marine Corps is awesome, awesome, uh, service. So happy for, for Carter there. I mean, when, when you went through the process, uh, you know, with Carter, John of both the army 
and the, the Navy Marine Corps option. What what's what stood out to you uh, as similar, different in this whole process with 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 both of those applications? There was there's a lot of cases or there's a lot of things about them that are similar, but there's there was also the process themselves were very different. And the applications themselves um, are, are very similar. The essays, uh, the information, the leadership, um, you know, the, the goal of these applications is to try and determine if, if the candidate is, is a leader, athlete, and a scholar. And so they ask all the same questions in the written part of it. I think where the, where the separation between the two occurred was one on the physical fitness tests. Mm-hmm. The Army uh, physical fitness test is a self well, not self-reported, but it's basically you go to the high school athletic field and, and have your gym coach uh, oversee you doing the test. And it's really not that rigorous of a test. The Marine option is your recruiting officer, which in Carter's case, which was a captain, physically comes down, oversees you taking the Marine Corps physical fitness test. Right, um, and then directly after that, does your face-to-face interview? So the timing for the two was different. Where the army, you you had a lot more flexibility in terms of when you would do your professor professor of military science interview, um, when you do your physical fitness test. Where the Marine Corps, once you hit submit on the application, it starts a process of which you have very little control over the timing. So uh, you need to be need to make sure that 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 your physical fitness is in check, that all your teacher recommendations are where you want them Mm -hmm. to be before you hit submit. Because once you hit submit on the Marine option, the process starts. Right. And uh, you're, you're probably not going to get that Marine Corps option scholarship unless you do well on your physical fitness test. Would that be probably a a good um, conclusion? You know, I I think it's from everything that I've read, obviously I don't have a lot of direct experience with it other than Carter's, but, but, but everything that I've read and the people that I've talked to say that that physical fitness test is, is one of the more important components to the application. And if you read the statistics that have been posted on the service Academy forum, uh, the Marine Corps physical fitness test is, is, is out of 300 points and the average scholarship winner to be competitive is in that 270 to 275 range. And, right. and, the, and the test consists of, um, you know, three different exercises. And so that 270 to 275 is pretty good. And I, I think that was one of the differentiating factors for my son uh, was just how well he did on the physical fitness test. Right. And uh, you can also do retakes. He did. And, and Carter actually did the, the first time. Uh, he took it. He scored well, but he, I think that the his application coordinator thought that he could do better. So he came back a couple months later, a couple months later, and did much much better. And I think one of the things that helped him during that was he took it upon himself early in the summer to start doing physical training with the local Marine Corps recruiter with the poolies who were the the uh, young men and women who are preparing to go off to boot camp. And so I think that really helped him. It got him um, to uh, uh, know the actual enlisted personnel that, that, that worked with him throughout the entire application process. So that was a big help as well. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the Navy, uh, the Navy ROTC or Marine corruption is, uh, you know, it's really, uh, you know, the, the army kind of lays out their point total, uh, you know, pretty well, you know, you have a 
pretty good understanding of where where the points come from. The Navy sort of keeps their um, keeps it more opaque, kind of uh, you know, kind of more, it's more of a mystery, kind of how the uh, Marines uh, pick their their officers. So it's uh, you know, it, and I think wasn't there? Didn't you? you know, I remember you mentioning to me about the difference in the attitude of the uh, of a Marine Corps. You know these people that are involved with the Marine Corps recruiting and the Army recruiting. What's what, what would you say the differences in those in that kind those kind of attitudes that they have? Well, in in, in hindsight, so my perspective is probably a little bit different again as a parent. But you know the Army process is really hands off. The, the only only mm-hmm. direct interaction that you have is when your son or daughter goes in for the professor of military science interview, and right. you know that can be done at any school. It doesn't have to be done at a school that you're applying to. It just can be at your, the nearest school. So it's, it's not that it's impersonal, but it's, I think it's just, it's just checking a box. Um, Now I will say that Carter did do his professor, his PMS interview at the Citadel, which I think was a big um, plus for him and his application because he knew that the person that was interviewing knew that he was, uh, you know, committed to going there. So I think that helped him. But switching back to the Marine Corps, I, I just think it's a it's a different process where they're looking and trying to figure out <clears throat> if you're cut out to be, you know, and I don't know what the numbers are, Rob, you would know better than I am. But, you know, I've heard that that the Marine option scholarships are less than 500 for the country and probably more around 300. So I think it's just a different process where they're they're not going to you know, be as, is involved and you're going to submit the stuff. You're going to do your PFT, you're going to do your interview, and then you're going to, you know, if you're going to get selected, we'll let you know, but there's no communication really during the process. Right. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, in some ways the, you know, the army ROTC scholarship is, you know, there, you know, obviously there's, there's more of those, there's more need for those officers. It's a, it's a larger service. The Marine Corps was so, sort of, uh, I think, you know, in speaking to you, you know, as, as you were navigating this process, it was sort of like their attitude is, you know, prove to me that you deserve this scholarship. You know, I mean, in every physic, in every personal interaction you have, it's almost in those ways like that. In other words, sort of a take it or leave it kind of, uh, uh, attitude in some ways. I, I don't know. I think you that might have been. I, I thought I kind of sensed that from you talking to you at times. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think. I think we the sense that Carter got. I think is a parent. I got it too. Is they they uh, the process as I said was was more personal in that they were making sure that the candidate was what they wanted to to you know for their needs for that year and um, you know it was very personal to that candidate. Right. Where I think the army was just, it seemed a little bit more generic in general. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Carter, you know, obviously was successful with both of the scholarships, you know, received, uh, you know, basically all both, both positive outcomes and and the most that you could have expected from both a four year with the army and then all the Navy ROTC scholarships are four year scholarships. So once you got, uh, you know, you got the army first and the, then the Marine Corps option, what, what sort of kicked in in your mind uh, after you were awarded, you know, first the army and then, then the Marine Corps option scholarship, what were the things that were going through your mind at that point? Once, you know, you got the, the good news. You know, once I think the the timing between the two, I think to put in perspective, so the, the Carter was awarded the Army during the first board, which I think the results came out in late November, early December. 
And then the Marine option, he was awarded on the second board, which was late March. So once the AROTC scholarship was awarded, you know, the big, I guess the big, the, the next phase that he had to start was um, number one, accepting the scholarships. And so at that point, he had only been accepted to, I think, one or two of his schools. Um, and how the process works is for the Army, I think you list, uh, is it, what is it, seven schools or is it five? Yeah, the maximum is seven. It's seven schools mm-hmm. on the application. So he had been, he, the Citadel was his number one choice. And so luckily he had been accepted there, but he accepted the scholarship. And, and once that acceptance, I think, went in, went into uh, cadet command that started the Dobmer process. And that's a, a multi-phase process by which uh, you go through, you know, physical exams, a physical exam, as well as a vision exam, as well as a, a questionnaire um, that, that you're self-reporting um, your entire medical history. So that was the big thing that, that happened after the award of the scholarship. And then once we got through the Dodmer hurdle for Army, that transferred over to the Marine Corps. So once the Marine Option Scholarship was awarded, uh, he had already been cleared and, or qualified for Dodmer. So there was nothing else for him to do there. Right. Uh, any advice for uh, parents that uh, say get awarded the scholarship? Now, when, when Carter got the award in December. Now we should note that this year, that what happened this year with, or rather in 2019 with the army was they were originally going to have the board in October, the computer system, I believe crashed at, at us army cadet command. And then the board was pushed to December. And then, uh, he went in front of the first board, got the uh, scholarship on the first board in mid December. Had he, had he already gotten accepted the Citadel at that point? He did. He was accepted to the Citadel, I think, in November. Okay. And so, uh, you know, obviously that's probably the ideal situation. He wants to, he, he knew he wanted to go to the Citadel. He already had an acceptance and got the, uh, and, and then the scholarship came after the acceptance. That's sort of the opposite of what most parents are going to experience, right? It is. And I think another important part that I left out was, you know, Texas A&M was the other school that he was highly interested in. And so one of the things that Carter did upon receiving the selection for the first on the first board is he reached out to Texas A&M to the uh, recruiting officer um, at Texas A&M and said, you know, listen, I've been awarded this scholarship. I really am interested in in going to Texas A&M, which is extremely difficult to get into their engineering program as an out-of-state student. I think less than 5% overall uh, come from out-of-state. So the the ROTC group at Texas A&M was great. They worked individually with Carter and actually got, he ended up getting accepted to the engineering program at A&M. And I think one of the big reasons why he was successful is he had that scholarship in hand. So that was another uh, thing that he did in the meantime, he had reached out to all the schools that were still pending and just let them know that he had been accepted. Yeah. I've seen that push when I was at Claremont McKenna, uh, we, uh, could, uh, you know, get help from admissions with, uh, you know, with with cadets that had scholarship in hand. So that's uh, something that's a big point with, you know, getting the scholarship and then trying to trying to get admission. So so great. It worked out for Carter uh, real well uh, with, um, you know, with the process overall. And um, boy, it's, it's great to have options, isn't it? No, it definitely is. Definitely yeah. is. So good. So uh, 
where do you go from here? I guess we've got, um, you know, he knows he's going to the Citadel. Uh, he knows he's going to do the Marine Corps option. So, uh, what do you think your plan is in the coming months between now and when, uh, he goes on to campus? Now this is minus COVID. Let's just assume that, you know, that, that things are going to, things are going to open up in the fall and that will be, he'll be fully participating on campus in the fall. Right. So, yeah, assuming we're, 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 I think the situation this summer will be a little bit different, but the, the Marine option path is a little bit different regarding what your summer obligations are compared to Army. So this summer he would attend NSI, which is the indoctrination uh, program for all NROTC and NROTC Marine option uh, scholarship recipients. And that's a, I think it's a four-week process, uh, which is held at the Great Lakes uh, Naval Base in Chicago. And so he would be attending that um, during one of the three sessions. And then from there, um, you know, maintaining his physical fitness and then, you know, reporting to the Citadel sometime in August. He is also signed up for CSI, which is the Citadel Success Institute, which is a, I think it's actually a, a three-week uh, program at the Citadel, which um, you're allowed to take one college class, but it also just gives you an indoctrination to the school. So it, it'd be a pretty full summer doing both of those. Yeah. And then, of course, the Army, there is no summer training uh, for the Army um, before you report. Right. And so how's it looking for this summer? Does it look like they're going to hold these events or no? You know, right now, based on the information that I've read on the Service Academy forum, forum they've canceled They've canceled NSI. There has not been an official uh, word given to the to the uh, midshipman. He has been in contact with his uh, Marine officer instructor at the Citadel, and I think the the discussion is, or they they may try and internalize some of the training that they would receive uh, at Chicago um, and try and do it at the Citadel. NSI is not one of the requirements for commissioning. The other uh, summer programs. With the uh, Coach or Mid, which is the the program in between your sophomore or between your freshman and sophomore year, that I think is required as well as your your cruise your year between your sophomore and junior, and then OCS would be in between his junior and senior year. So it's it's unsure if they're going to make the midshipmen make up NSI and do their uh, other training next summer. Yeah. I, you know, everybody's uh, life has been turned upside down with this, uh, with this COVID-19. So um, I'm sure that they'll find, uh, find uh, ways to work around it. So um, I guess just stand by if he doesn't go anywhere this summer, I imagine it's just a, a, a lot of maybe working out and maybe some virtual, uh, maybe some virtual training. Yes. Yeah, I think so. He's, um, you know, trying to keep his physical fitness up and then, you know, looking at different options for him to possibly take a course over the summer just to give him a leg up on uh, some of his engineering courses that he's going to have to take. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great idea. That's uh, yeah, getting uh, maybe some of those uh, some of those prereqs knocked out while he's uh, while he's still around the house this summer. A couple last questions, John. One is uh, looking back at it all. Uh, anything you wish you had done differently? You know, and that's, it's a tough question um, because Carter was, was very successful, but I think looking back on it, I think the, the thing that, that we, that we as a team, you know, this was a a team effort as a, as a, as a parents and the, and the candidate, but the thing I think that helped him more than anything was, was starting his junior year, you know, making that resume 
that summarized all of his athletic accomplishments, his leadership, his community service. Um, you know, those are these these are all special uh, students that are applying for these scholarships, and so there's a lot of things that you've done that you forget. So by him going down that road of putting this detailed resume together, it made the application process a lot easier. I wish we had started that earlier. You know, by the time you're a, a junior, you've done so many different things. And so it's sometimes it's difficult to go back and think about all the sporting accomplishments or the academic awards that you've gotten or all the leadership uh, things that you've done. So I think the first thing is to, to, to start this process early. You know, the, the, the boards open up. Uh, the application process is open up here in the next month. And Carter was finished with both applications by the time school started. Um, so that was a big help. But I think I wish we had started a little bit earlier than we did because it was a busy summer for him that junior year, uh, the summer between his junior and senior year, trying to get everything done. So the earlier, the better. Good, good advice. And then, uh, then John, what would you say if uh, you had to do one takeaway from this, uh, from from what you said? What would you say that would be? You know, the, the, to me, the biggest takeaway, and I, and I and I've heard this from a lot of people, and, and I think we started out the podcast with you asking why Carter was interested. I think the biggest thing is is you you need to be support, and this is from a parent's perspective, but be supportive and be involved. This is a big commitment on the part of, of your son or daughter, but most importantly, you have to make sure this is what they want to do. Sometimes as a parent, we, uh, we have these, these goals for our kids and, and, and this is a, this isn't, um, something to be taken lightly and it needs to be a decision that your child makes. That this is what they want to pursue. And if, if they make that decision and, and they're, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent in, then, then give them whatever support they need, but make sure it's their decision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, that's a great way to in the interview here. And I, um, you know, can we do this uh, here uh, real soon with the Dodmer? Sure. Absolutely. We'd love to. All right. Well, great, John. Well, you know, thanks so much for uh, coming on today to uh, the ROTC scholarship podcast. Really appreciate it. I mean, your views are just fantastic. Uh, and I'm sure that the parents uh, listening to this podcast are going to get uh, a tremendous amount out of uh, out of your insights. So th- thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time.